0: Hey guys, it's just me today, so I'm going to start the show out by telling y'all a little story. So, a vacationing penguin is driving through Arizona when he notices that the oil pressure light is on. He gets out to look and sees oil dripping out of the motor. He drives to the nearest town and stops at the first gas station. After dropping the car off, the penguin goes for a walk around town. He sees an ice cream shop and... Being a penguin in Arizona, he decides that something cold would really hit the spot. So he gets a big dish of ice cream and sits down to eat. Having no hands, he he makes a real mess trying to eat it all with his flippers. Uh, After finishing his ice cream, he he goes back to the gas station. The, The mechanic looks up from under the hood of his car and says, It looks like you blew a seal. No, 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 the penguin replies. It's just ice cream. Let's start the show. Daisy throws to first base. Is this happening? It is! The Atlanta Braves are world champions! Welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast, presented by Sports Drink. Here are your hosts, Pam Matthews and Alex Butler. Now you're on in big victory. Big Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, flying solo today. So, look, guys, I, I wanted to start the show off with with this. So it's been it's been nothing short of a tumultuous season for Cam and I between the loss of family members, illness, and just struggling to keep our schedules straight. I, I wanted. I wanted to start the show by taking a moment to thank all of you who has stuck with us this year and let you know that we appreciate you being patient with us and we plan on continuing to bless your ear holes for a long time to come. That being said, let's jump right into some news and notes from around the league. The postseason picture is starting to take shape. We now have six of the twelve available postseason spots filled. The first to clinch was the Los Angeles Dodgers, making their tenth straight trip to the postseason. And then we had the uh, the reigning American League champions, Houston Astros, uh, the Braves and Mets, while still battling for the NL East, but so uh, have both clinched postseason spots. And the New York Yankees, uh, despite their la- late season struggles. Uh, have c- secured their sixth consecutive playoff berth. The Cleveland Guardians are kind of the biggest surprise of the list. They clinched the the American League Central for the first time since 2018 with a win over Texas on Sunday. And so there it is guys. We have three teams in the AL, three teams in the NL. Half of the postseason is set. So some upcoming series to look out for. You've got the Yankees at the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are trying to hold off the Mariners and Rays to maintain their their spot in the number four seed right now. And then you've got a two-game set between the Cardinals and Brewers. Now, the Brewers are are falling off hard, so this would probably be more interesting if they weren't, but the Cardinals are on the verge of clinching the NL Central, so that's worth watching. You've got the Dodgers and Padres. The Dodgers are on the verge of setting their franchise single-season wins record, and the Padres are battling the Phillies and Brewers for wild for a wild card spot. So uh, definitely some uh, some high stakes matchups there. Uh, you have the Rays at the Guardians. The Guardians have already clinched the AL Central, uh, but they're they're kind of still looking to prove themselves. Meanwhile, Tampa Bay is in a wild card race with Seattle and Toronto. Uh, so we've got. We've got a, a little more than a week and a half to go until the postseason starts and, and things are really starting to take shape and it's looking like it's going to be yet another very interesting postseason. There were some interesting things this regular season too. We just saw Albert Pujols hit his 700th career home run, happened in Dodger Stadium and happened in a game where he hit two home runs. I, I'm I'm not... Okay, I'll come out and say it. The Dodgers were throwing meatballs to Albert, and that's okay. That's okay. The Dodgers, they they had Albert in the clubhouse for, for a while. Uh, obviously still have some love there. And, I mean, you don't really want to send this guy off with 698 or 699, do you? No. So they were throwing some 82-mile-an-hour junk right down the middle and letting him hit it out of there. But... Remember this, guys. We're not going to see anybody hit the 700 home run mark for a very long time. Uh, Albert Pujols is is the type of hitter uh, we're all going to be telling future generations about. So uh, big moment, 700 home runs for, for Albert Pujols. Meanwhile, in New York... You've got Aaron Judge going for for the New York Yankees record. He has already tied Babe Ruth with 60 home runs on the season, and we are to the point where other broadcasts are getting interrupted so that Aaron Judge's at-bats can be shown. Uh, It is that big of a deal. Uh, So keep an eye out for that because this is another one of those special things that we might not see for a long time. Aaron Judge is is doing things that that we haven't seen people do without the help of steroids maybe ever so so watch that that's going to be fantastic bringing it back to the nl east there is a little bit of news uh to share the marlins have come out and said that they will not be retaining don mattingly as their manager for 2023 so it'll be uh, it'll be quite an off season storyline to to see how the Marlins approach filling that spot. Uh, I, I haven't really even heard any names kicked around there, but the the usual NL East suspects in uh, in Joe Girardi and uh, hell even uh, even Gabe Kapler I could see coming back to the NL East because all all the stories are that he's not. Uh, he's not fitting in very well out in uh, San Francisco. So uh, I wouldn't be terribly surprised to see one of those two familiar faces wind up back in the NL East. Last one I want to mention before we get into uh, this week in baseball history. A very interesting thing occurred at the Mariners-Royals game. Robbie Ray and Luke Weaver were both ejected from the game prior to the game beginning. Now, why is that, you might say? Surely there was a a dust-up. Maybe benches cleared before the game even started. No, no, none of that. What happened was the National Anthem was playing, and as you may have seen in baseball in the past, occasionally, when the National Anthem plays, there will be a standoff between players of opposing teams, where they're still holding their hat over their heart, and they're just standing there to see who will walk away first. Well, Robbie Ray and Luke Weaver were playing that game, and apparently they were playing that game very, very well, because the crew chief that day decided that both of them should be ejected. And there's yet another example of the Major League Baseball Umpires Association being absolute hot garbage as if we needed another. So without further ado, that's enough for news and notes. Let's take a look at some cool moments from This Week in Baseball History. All right, folks, it's time for This Week in Baseball History. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. We'll be looking at the week from September 26th through October 3rd. Our first fact from September 26th 2016. The Marlins, each wearing number 16, host the Mets in a game without any walk-up music, without any advertisements, and without any fan interactive activities at a solemn ballpark in tribute to Miami right-hander Jose Fernandez, a victim of a tragic boating accident only 36 hours earlier. D Gordon, a left-handed hitter, begins his at-bat from the right side, wearing the late starter's helmet and weeps as he rounds the bases, pointing to the sky when he crosses the plate to honor his friend and teammate after hitting a leadoff home run to start the game. Yet another fact that we are going to talk about every single year because this was this was one of those those special baseball moments. this was like. This was like the the Angels uh, when when their pitcher had passed away and they threw the combined no hitter immediately afterwards. This is this is one of the greatest moments, uh, greatest feel good moments in, in baseball history, because D Gordon, if if I recall correctly, that was his only home run of the season. In the first at bat of the game after Jose Fernandez passed away, and. Um, so, so check it out if you haven't seen it. It's on YouTube. Um, MLB has it. But yeah, it's just, it's a fantastic moment in baseball history. And if you haven't shared it, you owe it to yourself to go find it. Our next fact is from September 27th, 1920. At Chicago's Comiskey Park, 33-year-old Joe Jackson, sixth inning double off Tiger hurler Hooks-Douse breaks a scoreless tie. Putting the White Sox ahead two to nothing. Shoeless Joe's game-winning hit will be the last of his 13-year career when the players on the grand jury list are indefinitely suspended for the rest of the season as the probe of the 1919 World Series fix is investigated. We've been over this time and time again, guys. Look at Shoeless Joe Jackson's numbers. Look at his numbers in that World Series. He had nothing to do with any kind of a fix in that World Series. Free Shoeless Joe. And if you want a free Shoeless Joe t-shirt, you can go to teespring.com slash stores chatting average podcast and pick one of those up. They're a really nice design, and our friend Bobby Anthony actually even wore one to the Hall of Fame, which was pretty cool. Our next fact comes from September 28th, 1990. The scoreboard at Old Comiskey Park explodes for the last time when Frank Thomas goes deep off Randy Johnson in the seventh inning of a 13-4 loss to Seattle. The monster, which has shot off fireworks whenever a White Sox player hit a home run since 1960, was an innovation of team owner Bill Veek after being inspired by the design of a pinball machine. It... I don't know if any of you guys have been to to Old Comiskey Park, but their scoreboard essentially had what looked like pinwheels on top. I mean, to me, as a kid going to that old stadium, um, they they looked they looked like lollipops just sticking up on top of the uh, on top of the scoreboard. But when somebody would hit a home run, they would start spinning and spraying out fireworks. It was kind of crazy. Uh, and, and stuff that I really wish they still did in American baseball like why can't we have fireworks and a big production out there uh, I know we've we've seen it with some Korean and some Japanese baseball and I, I mean they they incorporate that kind of stuff into the all-star game but you know they they have the the big entrances in football where the team runs through the the smoke and fire onto the field like give us some of that kind of stuff in baseball i think I think baseball deserves it Our next fact comes from September 29th of 2004, hours after Major League Baseball's announcement of the franchise's impending shift to Washington, D.C. The Expos played their final game in Montreal, a 9-1 loss to Florida before 31,395 enthusiastic fans at Olympic Stadium. As part of the ceremonies, the team commemorates their unfinished 1994 season by unfurling a banner that reads 1994 Best Team in Baseball, a reference to the club's 74-40 record before the work stoppage ended the season and the city's hopes of playing in a World Series. I know we don't have a big Montreal audience, but I don't think the people there need to worry because it may be pretty soon that they get a baseball team again. Uh, I I can't envision a situation in which the Tampa Bay Rays stay around Tampa Bay too, too much longer. And with every passing day, it looks more and more likely Oakland Athletics are going to be moving as well. So, I mean, I, I suppose there's gonna be some demand for Montreal to get a team back but we'll have to see how that goes our next fact is from September 30th 1999 for the 23rd time this season Diamondbacks fireballer Randy Johnson strikes out at least 10 batters to tie Nolan Ryan's 1973 major league record for most double-digit strikeout games in a season the tall left-hander whiffs 11 Padres and in seven innings in a five to three victory to bring his season-ending total to 364 strikeouts, which ranks fourth all time. I I know this is a Randy Johnson fact, but I wanted to use this one to tell you guys that if you uh, have some time to kill, get on Netflix and go watch a documentary called Facing Nolan. I, I just checked it out last night, and it is it, it's phenomenal. Like. I, I remember Nolan I never got to watch him pitch that I recall except maybe a little bit in the nineties. But I, I remember growing up when I was a very little that when my dad would talk about pitching, Nolan Ryan was the guy he would talk about. When anyone referred to a a, a power pitcher prior to, to Randy Johnson, it was Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan was the guy. And it's 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 cool to go back and and see exactly what he was doing. And I I mean, the guy played 27 seasons in major league baseball. And I I think he either got close or he had a no hitter in his final season in the league. It absolutely wild played until his elbow snapped Uh, a legend. Um, I think what was the reference that I heard? He's the, he's the Paul Bunyan of baseball. And and if you go, If you go watch that documentary, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Our final fact comes from October 2nd of 2010. With 70 former players and coaches sitting on the infield clad in white Braves jerseys in attendance in front of a sellout crowd, Atlanta honors Bobby Cox with a pregame ceremony. The Braves' longtime manager who will remain with the team as a consultant is given a 2010 Lexus LS 460 from the club and an 11-night cruise from his current players during the moving tribute at Turner Field. We're going to take every chance we can to remember Bobby Cox. The man finished his, his managing career with a 2,504 win against 2,001 loss record. Um... He, of course, won the World Series. He was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2014 with a 100% vote. He won Manager of the Year four times. He's in the Braves Hall of Fame. The Braves have retired as number six. All hail Bobby Cox. Long may he live. Well, that's going to do it for this week in baseball history, but we will be right back to take a look at the last week for the Braves and see what lies ahead as the regular season winds down. All right, when we last left you, we were at home with the Washington Nationals coming in for a three-game set. The first game of the series featured Kyle Wright on the mound against Abbott for the Nationals. Game started off with an Austin Riley home run in the first inning, putting the Braves on top early, a lead that they would never give up. Kyle Wright goes six innings, allowing eight hits, two earned runs, only walks one and strikes out seven. Meanwhile, Abbott goes four innings, allowing six hits, four earned runs, walking two, but not striking out anybody. Braves win five to two. Kenley Jansen has a clean save. Rysel Iglesias and Jesse Chavez also pitch clean in relief. Great game for the Braves, and we move on to the second game of the series. We have Charlie Morton on the mound for the Braves going up against Patrick Corbin for the Nationals. Corbin only lasted two-thirds of an inning, uh, seemingly some sort of injury. I'm not sure exactly what happened to him there. But Ramirez came in in relief, uh, allowing two earned runs and three innings pitched, followed by Jordan Weems, who went two and a third uh, without allowing any runs. Charlie Morton goes five and a third, allowing three hits, one earned run, three walks, and nine strikeouts. Followed by Colin McHugh and A.J. Minter, who each allow hits but neither allow runs, Kenley Jansen comes in, has a rough outing, but is still able to get the save. The entirety of the Braves' runs were scored on a Travis Darnot home run and a Dansby Swanson home run, but it was enough for the Braves to win 3-2 to two and take the second game of the series against the Nationals. Come back for the last game of the series. It is a day game on Wednesday against the Nationals. We have Bryce Elder on the hill going up against Paolo Espino. Bryce Elder goes five and two-thirds, allowing four hits, one earned run, two walks, and six strikeouts. Meanwhile, Espino goes four innings, allowing four hits, one earned run, two walks, and two strikeouts. The Braves got out to an early lead, leading two to nothing after the second inning. But the scoring stopped there. All of a sudden, the offense died, uh, and and didn't come back to life quickly, as uh, as you'll hear as this segment progresses. Uh, unfortunately, we give up some runs. Uh, Jesse Chavez and Tyler Matzik have some rough outings, which we don't typically expect from those guys, but. Uh, The story was really the offense not getting it done because the Braves lose in this game 3-2. So from there, we traveled up to Philadelphia, where we had Max Freed taking on Ranger Suarez. Both pitchers absolutely dealt. Max Freed went five innings, allowing five hits, one earned run, one walk, and eight strikeouts. Ranger Suarez went six innings, allowing five hits, no earned runs, two walks, and four strikeouts. Uh, there was there was not a lot of offense in this game, guys, and unfortunately, none of it came from the Braves. In the second inning, Veerling hit a sacrifice fly to center, scoring Real Muto, and that was it. Phillies win one to nothing. <sighs> the offense stays dead. So we come back the following day to try and salvage a chance at winning the series we had Aaron Nola going for the Phillies and we had Jake Odorizzi going for the Braves and well guys I uh I don't know what else to tell you Jake didn't have a good day Jake went four innings allowed 10 hits eight earned runs eight three walks and six strikeouts clearly Snitker was leaving this guy out there to die um, just so he could eat up some innings and not, you know, tax the bullpen too much. Uh, unfortunately, he couldn't even do that effectively because we had to get two innings out of Tyler Matzik, one out of Jackson Stevens. And we even got an inning out of Orlando Arcia, uh, who is arguably the second best pitcher of the night behind Jackson Stevens. Orlando Arcia went one inning, walked one, but didn't allow any hits and recorded, all three outs. Maybe, just maybe, Orlando Arcia is that sleeper piece that we've got that we've got there that's going to pop up and be R. Otani going into the postseason. I don't know, but this was not the case today as the Phillies win nine to one. So, having lost the first two games of the Phillies series, the Braves really needed to win the last two in Philly to to salvage a split. Uh, And the first of those two would be started by Kyle Wright going up against Bailey Falter. Kyle Wright goes five and a third, allowing two hits, two earned runs, walked two, but struck out six. Bailey Falter, meanwhile, goes three and two thirds, allowing ten hits, six earned runs, and struck out six. So the Braves offense finally got going. Finally got going after taking three entire games off. Uh it it's Michael Harris hit a home run. Uh we got RBI singles from Grissom, from Swanson, from Contreras and then Contreras also had a homer to right center. Uh so a huge day for the offense. Uh, Braves end up winning 6 to 3. Kenley Jansen comes in for another clean save. Which we've been seeing a lot more of out of him. Uh, his his cutter looks to be back. It's it's moving. Uh, he's got his his velocity up on it. It's it's exactly what you want to see going into the postseason. So uh, hopefully the wheels remain on for Kenley Jansen uh, because when he's good, he's uh, he's exactly what we need. So we are down two games to one in the series, and we have the fourth coming up on Sunday. Uh, We have Charlie Morton on the mound against Kyle Gibson. Charlie goes four and two-thirds, allowing six earned runs, walking three and striking out four. So not a great day for Charlie. Uh, Kyle Gibson goes five innings, allowing seven hits, five earned runs, two walks, and nine strikeouts. Uh, This game was... It was a 1 o'clock game that it didn't end until, I think, around 8 because there was about a 3-hour rain delay in the middle of this one. Uh, but luckily, when they when they came back, the Braves were able to tie the game up and take it into extras, and Jackson Stevens took over from there on the mound. He, uh, he went two innings, allowing one hit, no earned runs. The only run that scored was one of the placed runners on second base, struck out three, and walked one essentially saved the team, put the team on his back there so that Ronald Acuna Jr. and Michael Harris II could come out in the 11th inning and get two big RBIs to push the Braves to an 8-7 win and a huge series split in 11 innings against the Philadelphia Phillies. So the Braves from there traveled to Washington where they would be visiting the White House. Some really cool videos and pictures coming out of that. Check it out if you haven't. But yeah, Braves visit the White House to celebrate the 2021 World Series. And from there, head straight to Nationals Park to take on the Nationals for three games in Washington. We had Bryce Elder on the mound against Abbott. Abbott goes five innings, allowing three hits, four earned runs, three walks, and seven strikeouts. Meanwhile, we get to talk about Bryce Elder. Bryce Elder was called up for this series. Well, was was uh, remained on the roster for this series, I should say. He was called up a while back. Bryce Elder was slated to start this game, essentially to give rest to the other guys and help to line up the rotation for the Mets series. What we got out of Bryce Elder was far more than we were expecting because all this kid does is throw a complete game shutout. He went all nine innings, allowing six hits, scattering him out, walked one and struck out six. No earned runs on 106 pitches. The Braves offense also teed off, with Matt Olson breaking out of his homerless slump, hitting one in the fourth. Marcelo Zuna hit a home run, as well as Orlando Arcia. Uh, it was all Atlanta in the Monday night game. The Braves beat the Nationals 8 to nothing. So with the Braves winning on Monday and the Mets idle, the Braves' win brings them to within one game of the New York Mets for the NL East lead. The Braves desperately need to hold serve against the Washington Nationals uh, because there's a huge, huge three-game set this weekend coming up against the Mets here in Atlanta. So Tuesday, we've got our second of the Nationals series with Kyle Muller taking the hill against Paolo Espino. Muller, uh, yet another one of those spots where we're trying to uh, to line up our rotation for those last two series of the season. Uh, Wednesday, we come back for a 7.05 start time with Josiah Gray on the hill for the Nationals going up against Jake Odorizzi. Um, so hopefully, you know, he's going against the Nationals. They're not a very good offense, but... Um, Really need to see Jake shake off that last start he had, because that was rough, and uh, even though this is the Nationals, we really need to win these games. So, that takes us into the aforementioned New York Mets series here in Atlanta. The Friday game on September 30th will be a 7.20 start time, with Max Fried on the hill for the Braves going up against Chris Bassett for the Mets. October 1st on Saturday, also a 7.20 start time, we have Kyle Wright on the mound against Jacob deGrom, and on Sunday, October 2nd, 7 o'clock start time, it is Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN for the Braves, we have Charlie Morton on the mound up against Max Scherzer. Guys, you want meaningful late season baseball, this is it. If this don't get your fire going, your woods wet. So we got to get in here and we got to take these last couple of games against the Nationals, hopefully take 2 out of 3 from the uh from the Mets and then we've got a three-game set in Miami to close the season out. Odds are pretty good that if the Braves are going to win the National League East, it will not happen with this New York Mets series in Atlanta. Now on the flip side, the New York Mets could much more easily clinch the division here in Atlanta, but that is not what we want to see, obviously enough. So keep a close eye on the games Friday through Sunday coming up this week, because those are going to be the biggest games of the regular season. One last thing before we go, have to remind you that today's episode of Chatting Average is brought to you by Sports Drink. Sportsdrink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection between sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team, so make sure to go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K on Twitter or Instagram. That's at sportsdrink just without the vowels. Just close the door behind you We're try not to let the funk out. And that is going to do it for yet another episode of the Chatting Average podcast. My name's Alex. We will see you all next week for another brand new episode. Bear. This has been the Chatting Average podcast brought to you by Sports Drink. Be sure to check out our merchandise store at teespring.com slash stores slash podcast. And please consider becoming a patron of our show at patreon.com slash We'll see you next week for another brand new episode.